Yes, you've arrived at the Legend Podcast at DaxMyHand.com. How did I become a legendary sports figure? How does anyone become legendary? It starts with a coach. Join us as we have conversations with coaches of all ages, experience, and expertise, and find out what does it take to lead athletes to legendary status. DaxMyHand.com, The Legend Interviews. In his first week as the interviewer, Dax sits down with Eli Latham. Eli Latham. Who is he? I'll tell you who he is. Eli is the son of Tracy and the late Scott Latham. Eli is a product of the Marshall County school system where he played varsity basketball. After high school, Eli played club basketball at Western Kentucky Tech and later attended the University of Kentucky where he graduated with a degree in social work. Eli is currently in his second year as the boys basketball coach at North Marshall Middle School after previously serving one year as the girls basketball coach at North Marshall Middle School. Now, let's hear from Eli. What do you think was the main thing that made you want to be a coach or what was this, the thing in your head that said, you know, that's something that I want to do? Because obviously being a coach is way more than people realize. or what, It's not it's not all that's cracked up to be. Yeah. Parents, mm-hmm. you know, you've got constant complaints with parents. You've, you've got issues with that. So, you know, it's not something who someone who's informed probably wants to jump into. Mm-hmm. But what, what is it that made you say, you know, I think that I want to do that? Uh, just my love for the game, first of all. Um, I've always loved the game and – I've always wanted to help people. Um, that's I'm trying to go into counseling, so I wanted to help people. And I thought, you know, I, I love the game. I want to help kids be better basketball players. I want to – Marshall County has a great tradition in basketball. Sure. Um, so I thought, you know, all the kids, they go to the games, they, they want to play at Reed Condor, you know, one of yeah. the best gyms in, in America. So I thought I know I, I would have to – start somewhere start small you know with the girl's job and i thought you know i'll i'll start here two or three years and trying to get you know to the boys side of things whether it be at south or benton or luckily i got it north out there at north so that was good and i just i just wanted to help kids i wanted to make them better share my share my love for the game with Mm -hmm. them yeah and 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 I know kids fall in love with stuff every day, and, and I fell in love with the game at a young age, and I'm still in love with it. Going with that, as far as, you know, you made the decision, hey, I want to coach. Yeah. Who would you say were some of the biggest influences on you from the standpoint, of, from a leadership standpoint, or, you know, for, as a, maybe some of your coaches don't, don't have to be your coaches, mm-hmm. but, but who were your influences and and kind of talk about why they were such a positive influence on you. First and foremost, Michael Jordan. I, I was a huge close personal friend. Yes, uh, yeah. Um, he was. I've, I'm still a fan today. I'm, now, to interrupt you. Blake has told me there's a rumor that you have a lot of Michael Jordan basketball shoes. Is I do. I, I have. I have a good collection. Uh, well, any ballpark? Uh, how many we're talking about? Um, I got to get this on the record because my son has thrown some numbers at me, and I I find them hard to believe. But. Probably in a lifetime or right now. Well, let's just go lifetime. A huh? life a lifetime. Yeah, probably. Um, I probably had probably like from elementary school to middle school. I probably had like. 
five pairs. Yeah. Then, you know, once you get older, you make a little you more money, money. Yeah. You know, and you live at home with your mom like yeah. I do, and you don't yeah. pay bills. Yeah. Uh, you got to live more spending money. So I would probably ballpark it at 15 to 20 pairs. Wow. You know, Cosby, I don't know that I've had 15 to 20 pairs of tennis shoes since I got out of high school. Maybe a maybe about that. Maybe that, that Blake had told me that yeah. he he's told me that you you were quite the shoe aficionado. So. Yeah. So anyway, but anyway, go on. Yeah, Michael Jordan. Uh, Michael Jordan. You know, I just I watched him growing up. You know, the nineties, mid to late nineties is when he. You know, they made that run. Now you realize that he was he went to that other blue school. Yeah. That was not Kentucky. Yeah. Okay. I just, I wanted to throw that yeah. out there. Yeah. So, you know, 90, 96, 97, 98, I was eight, nine, ten years old right there starting to play basketball, starting to watch it more. And I just, and obviously he was the best guy in the game. So you're going to watch him. Yeah. And I'm just like, man, I, I just fell in love with the game and fell in love with him. And, and let, it's, let me interrupt you about Michael. And, and I'm, I'm throwing this at you. These are things I've heard about Michael and things mm-hmm. I've read about Michael. But one of the things that, that you hear when you watch shows like uh, the Dream Team, yeah. 30 for 30, yeah. is they talk about what a leader that Michael mm-hmm. Jordan was. And yeah. and just the fact that he, you know, the players said they were they didn't want to let Michael Jordan down because yeah. he was the he would be in their face yeah. if, if he felt like they yeah. weren't giving it. Was that anything that influenced you or may or did you realize that at the time? Um more, more, more so than his leadership, I noticed his competitive nature. Mm-hmm. My parents bought me a book when I was in middle school, talking about you know his first years with the Bulls and mm-hmm. you know him leaving to play baseball and stuff like that, and just his competitive nature. and And it was just you know he hated losing, whether it was at Monopoly or a game of one on one, or you know in practice, mm-hmm. you know he he was not going to lose. Period. Yeah. And that's that's what I started. You know. I'm figuring out what it is to be competitive, you know, in middle school. So I'm like, I'm I'm gonna hate to lose. So, yeah. so that's where I what I really got from Michael was his his um, competitive nature. Have you ever met Michael? I unfortunately have not. Really, I'll tell you a, a little aside. Uh, a guy that I played uh, in the Kentucky All State game with in baseball, and later played against him in college. He played for Ole Miss when I was at Murray State. Uh, Chris Snowpeck was his best friend on the Birmingham Barons coming up. Wow. And, uh, and then later got to the major leagues. But I think they basically assigned Michael Jordan to Chris Snowpeck, is the guy's name, who's uh-huh. from Cynthiana, Kentucky, uh-huh. uh, to be his protector, take care of him kind of deal. Mm-hmm. So I do know Snowpeck a little bit. We might have to talk after the uh, podcast about okay. maybe, I'm not saying you can meet Michael Jordan, but, <laughs> you know, we might can figure something out there. But anyway. So uh, so go on. Once I got to the high school, uh, freshman year, our coach was Matt Thompson, and he really enjoyed coaching us because mm-hmm. we all bought into what he was wanting to do and and um, the stuff he was running and, and the philosophy that Coach Lyles had and just that Marshall County, just you're going to play hard, you're going to be hard-nosed. and mm-hmm. So we bought into that, and, and um, he was one of them just to kind of – because he believed in all of us as players, and you know, even though we didn't have – we were all different talent levels. He all believed in us, and he told us that multiple times. You know, you you guys are my favorite team to coach. He was somebody you you really felt good about. Was his style of coaching was he was it very positive? Was it negative? Was it you know what what, what was it about his style that you liked? From what I remember, he really he was strict, 
but at the same time, he let us play the game. Mm-hmm. He he. We knew what he wanted offensively. We obviously we knew what he expected defensively, but offensively, we we had a bunch of sets, you know. And and sometimes he just he would just call five out, and we would just go play. And I think he really liked that we could all just pass and cut, and mm-hmm. he wouldn't have to yell at us, you know cut you know move you know we could all move well without the ball and I think he really enjoyed that that he could call an offense a set they scouted it well and or we it didn't execute or we didn't execute well he could call something to where we could pass and cut and move and play off of each other and and um, one thing that he liked he trusted us within his system Mm -hmm. and we and we obviously bought into what he was doing, and, and we were successful. How do you think, it, had you had a, a style of coach maybe that wasn't as trusting or maybe was a little tighter mm-hmm. on how to run things? You know, the coach I played for was very tight-fisted yeah. about, yeah. we're going to run this, and this mm-hmm. is exactly what we're going to run and how we're going to run it. Do you feel like you would have responded as well to that type of coach, or, or, or do you think you could have been malleable either way? Honestly, I really don't know. Because Gillespie is was a little like that when when we were going when we were going through because we didn't have an athlete that could go get twenty twenty five points a game you know, Spison could score but obviously they're going to face guard him and make somebody else beat him. Um, Brown could shoot it. That's about all he could do was shoot it. You know, like you could dead on shooter. Um, but other you know Gillespie was like that. He said you know just just trust the offense. We had to buy into it mm-hmm. or you know we weren't going to be successful. We weren't going to win games. That's one thing I liked about Gillespie is that he. Even if it wasn't successful, he stayed with it, and mm-hmm. that's that's one thing that I got from him is that you know if it's not working, it's not working. Keep pushing it. Keep pushing it. So like refine. I guess the, that style would be refine it. Yeah, we we've got a we feel like we've got a good plan, but maybe we're not working the plan. Yeah. is that what I'm hearing yeah. from you? He he definitely wanted us to stick to it. Be attentive to detail mm-hmm. he had a bunch of stuff you know ball goes here ball goes at point a to point b to point c this guy does this as he does that this guy gets a gets a flare screen we kind of just played off of you know this is what coach wants we're going to trust it you know mm-hmm. even if it's unsuccessful we've got to trust it he yeah. trusts it we've got to trust it okay. thinking about your own coaching what mm-hmm. what do you feel like is your coaching style or your leadership style or one thing that I told myself when I started coaching, I said, don't push the kids where you want them to go. Show them, show them what you want to do, but let them play their game as well. Don't give them like tunnel vision. Mm Mm-hmm. In other words, don't drive them where you want them to go. Yes. Show them the way and let them lead themselves yes. there. Yes. Is that what show, I'm hearing? Yeah. Show them what you want. Mm-hmm. You know, you still have the freedom to to go play your game. Mm-hmm. Kind of a freelance, a yeah. little bit of a freelance, yeah. but in this direction. Yeah. What do you feel is the most important quality that a successful coach has to have? Or or even, not even, doesn't have to be a coach, but a successful coach, a manager, a mm-hmm. uh, leader. What do you feel like is the one most important quality? I think he has to trust and believe in himself and also his team. Mm-hmm. No matter how good they are how bad they are mm-hmm. you you've got to stay positive mm-hmm. for yourself and and your team as well mm-hmm. and and i'm a big optimist you know I, I'm, I'm like that with everybody you know mm-hmm. i try to look at the bright side of things and yeah. you know given my history you know I've, mm-hmm. I've, I've, I've just grown that way and i've i've never been a big negative guy and i think kids i think positivity is just so 
contagious. Mm-hmm. You know, if if it works for one kid and it doesn't work for another, you know, it, I just you've just got to keep try something that works. You know, something. It's funny talking about that. Something I was thinking about the other day. It seems like, and and by your own admission, you, you probably weren't a star basketball player, no, weren't the leading scorer on the team, yeah. nor was I yeah. back in the day. Do you feel like it is harder for a star player to come back and be a coach, or do you feel like it's easier um, for maybe a guy who's not or mm-hmm. wasn't a big star to be a coach? Because if you think about it, in the NBA, there aren't a lot of guys who were great players that have come back and become great yeah. coaches. Do, uh-huh. do you feel like there's any any thought to that? I think there is a little bit. You know, I I think the good players they're in love with the game so much. They've been, it's been around. It's been their life. You know, mm-hmm. they play it in high school. They play it in college. They might play overseas. You know, it's been a part of their life for so long. That's really all they know. At the end of the end of the spectrum, you might have somebody that's completely burnt out and mm-hmm. doesn't want to do anything with mm-hmm. it. Um, but like you said, I I wasn't a star player. I just love the game, and that's that's what really just got me going. This is only my third year coaching, second yeah. year with boys. You know, I'm I'm still learning every day. Sure. If the kids that you're coaching right now were to could only take one thing from you and move on, what would you want that one thing for them to take with them from playing for Eli Latham? What would you want that to be? Uh, I'm going to give you two. Okay, we'll take them. one. Is is be is be positive. Two for the price of one, right? <laughs> Just be be positive. Try to find positivity in everything that you do. If yeah. things aren't working, things are never. There are things that are going to go wrong for you, mm-hmm. but and you're going to have to find a solution at some point. And you've got to stay positive mentally um, for yourself. And mm-hmm. you know, if you're a leader, you got to stay positive for your team. And, and that's one thing I want them to take from from my coaching is just to be positive. And, okay. You know, I cut up with them, and and you know, they understand when it's when the mm-hmm. lights come on. You know, we're 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 going to we're ready to go. Yep. Okay, Eli. So so, what would be something that you would want the kids to take with you? The second point. The second point is just to really truly believe in what you're doing. And um, stick to what you're good at. You know, I I wasn't good at doing accounting in college, so I switched it. You know, I I, I knew early on that I wasn't good, so I obviously tried to find something I was better at. Also, you know, in life, you know, it, you're not happy with your job and you're not doing it well. Find another job. Be positive. Try to find the bright side of everything and to just love what you're doing. Find something you enjoy doing. And stick with it. Awesome. Maybe an example of something that's happened where you realize that your coaching and your leadership has taken root in a player. Can you think of an example that, that you could uh, share with us? Yeah, there was there was a player. I, I don't know if he was getting used to my coaching style or, you know, he was going through puberty. You know, he's you know, you're trying to flirt with maturity and maturity. And, you know, you get that attitude with the teenagers, you know. They're invincible, and they think they're always right. And um, I think he was just—he was at that weird stage, you know. I—I want to go do what I want to do. Forget what the coach says, you know. I had multiple talks with him, like I see your potential. This is what you do good. This is what you do bad. But you have to trust me as well. I trust you to do to try and at least attempt to what I'm trying to tell you what to do. That's that that works for you, and that doesn't work for you. But you have to trust me as well. 
and and I had multiple conversations with him like, you know, this worked for you. Did I tell you it was going to work for you? Yes, sir. So keep doing it. Work on the stuff that I tell you to work on. And, you know, coming back the next season, you know, I, I have another sit down with him. I can tell he's frustrated offensively one game. And I, I sat him down. I said, listen, I know you're frustrated, but you've got to find something to get you going, whether it be a drive to the basket, get to the get to free throw line, you know. That's those are easy buckets. Get something easy. Get out in transition, or you know, take a charge. Get a get a big rebound. Something positive to kickstart your offense. And he responded back, you know, I, I I trust what you're trying to do with me, and that's that really really helped me. This kid's actually believing in me. And, it's it's kind of like the battle. It's kind of like hitting that one great golf shot yeah. when you've played terrible all day mm-hmm. and you hit it and you're ready to come back. Yes. Is that what I'm that is, That's a great analogy. Mm-hmm. So um, here's another one for you. Tell me about your proudest moment in coaching so far and why you're proud of that. My proudest moment in coaching. I know you, you've got a brief career. I've got I mean, a brief we're talking career. about two and a half seasons. I've got a brief career. But uh, but what what is what has been the one thing you're the most proud of that's happened so um, far? There's a few. Um, when I when I coached the girls, the seventh grade girls, we played in the district tournament at Benton. And earlier in the year, we had just got creamed by Callaway. Got my first technical that game. That's another story. We just got creamed by Callaway, 25, 30 points. Well, we come in, and they just put it on us. You know, one of those games where nothing was going for us, and they were just – we couldn't beat the press. And and we and, and she just – and the coach kept pressing us, so I was frustrated, and I got that technical. I'm more frustrated. So we get in there, and, and we I put in a press, and, you know, we're, it's successful, it's working. And um, we just – we're clicking on everything. And it's just – it was a proud moment for me because – I knew how happy the girls were. You know, they're seeing success. Nothing's going wrong. You know, they're getting easy buckets off the press, and they're running offenses, and and, and they're scoring easy. And you know, they're getting turnovers on defense. You know, that that's fun, and that's one of my proudest moments was seeing all the smiles on their faces. You know, because they had had a tough season, and I know they had played the year before and didn't win very many games, and um, it was just proud. You know, to, for them to see. To see success, kind of the the hard work you had put in and they had yeah. put in coming together. Yeah, and, and you know, looking back as someone who's observed mm-hmm. these seasons, you kind of have a common denominator. Your yeah. teams have peaked at the right mm-hmm. times. Yeah. Now maybe that first year you did with the girls, you didn't have as much talent as yeah. you've had maybe with North boys. But but I I can see how that is that is a really nice the way that works out. Yeah. You know that that really has been really good and i think that's great for the players to see they get older and they see basketball from other perspectives more than just the games mm-hmm. you know they see it more as in as in coming to practice every day and, and and getting better and and playing against older kids and taking what they've learned kind of implementing into the, them into their game and one thing that'll make me happy is to have one of my kids come down from the high school team and, and tell me you know what you were teaching us is 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 you know it's it's helped me. What do you feel like your biggest strength as a coach is? My biggest strength as a coach, I like to think it is. I try to stay as calm as possible. I never try to. I don't try to yell as much. I don't try to get on to them as you know as as aggressive as other coaches do. Um, I I try to be as 
not as literal, but I try to put it in the best way for them to understand. And I know kids are understand different what different things. You know, some kids might see it visually, some kids might hear it. You know, some kids might you might have to break it down slowly for other kids, and and that's one other thing I'm learning. You know, you've got to adjust to different kids and their learning styles. And so I'm hearing you say that there's no real cookie cutter way of coaching a kid that each maybe each individual you have to treat a little differently yeah and every kid's game is different one thing that i like to pride myself on is just how i can i try to reach to the kids without being being too aggressive you know i I try to stay as calm as possible um cool and collective because i know they see you know you see your leader aggressive and out of control then you know, you're going to get a little timid. You're going to get out of control. Or, you know, I, I try to stay as positive and calm as they as they are, you know. Now, conversely, what, what would you say? We're going to let you do a little self-analysis here. Okay. What would you say your biggest weakness is right now as a coach? My biggest weakness? Oh, there's a lot. I think one of my biggest weaknesses is I, I'm a little too a little too easy on them. Like, in that context, I mean as in, as I said earlier, I'm, fr- I'm I kind of let them. I'm free with what they're doing. I let them be free in the offense sometimes, and if they can see stuff and break it down, then go play. I think one of my weaknesses there is I, I kind of let them do it a little too much, and I don't break it down and and say, well, you know, that's that was a bad pass, and this is why. And I think that's just me growing as a coach because sometimes I'll think I'll look at him and he'll, you know, okay, that was bad, and sometimes I'll think, well, he knows it was a bad pass because of his facial expressions, his body language. And, and that's not always the case. And I've got to pay more attention to that. You know, even if they do acknowledge it, I still need to break down to them, this is a, that was a bad pass or that was a bad shot and this is why. Or you could have done this different and maybe this would have worked. And it's just a learning process for me. I'm a big attention to detail guy. I'm not as big as other coaches, but I know things. I know how it works. And the kids may not see it, but I see it because, you know, you're playing the game. You, you're thinking about multiple things, and it's it's always good to have more than one perspective. And it's one thing that I really like is, you know, Coach Jones has been on the staff for a long time, and he's been around basketball a long time. It's always good to have him. His, dad, his dad actually coached me yeah, in, in ninth grade. Yeah. yeah. His, so, <laughs> so, yeah, you're right. Uh, he has been around a long time. Yeah egg and the chicken question mm-hmm. are leaders born or are they made i think yes they're born and yes they're made in this kind of way i think leaders are born michael jordan was born, was born a leader i'm reading a book on him now just about his upbringing and his family and how he was brought up in north carolina and you know in the 60s the the civil rights stuff you know his life and he was he had to go through all that and he had to rise above it and he was born a leader i personally i was never i was not a leader when I was on my teams, you know, I was I was a good follower. You know, I I was never one to step up and be vocal and say, "Guys, this is what we got to do." Has is that been something difficult for you to pick up as so you, as a player? You said, you know, I wasn't a leader. Yeah. Has that been something hard for you to learn now in the coaching standpoint? Yes, on the when I coached the girls, it, it wasn't that difficult. But now I'm on the boys' side. And the kids are more athletic. The kids are more talented. And you've, you've got to be very concise with how you say things and how you approach topics and, and how you deliver them, you know, um, with your tone and, and things like that um, because every, every kid's different. Does it feel good as far as – do you feel like you wear the leadership robe with the boys – 
to feel comfortable it's, in that role. It's been tough. Um, it, this is my second year. It's been tough because I've you know I've had to schedule and, and and contact parents when when practices change and get out calendars and and get people to work concessions at, at tournaments and things like that. And, and ladies from Mississippi text you at all hours of the night. Yeah, things when like when, that. When their yeah. son doesn't have their phone and yes, and yes. things like that. Yes. Um, but you know, I, that's that's one thing that I enjoy. I, I enjoyed about the coaching process. You know, not everybody's made to be a leader, but are born to be a leader. But everybody can, can be made to be a leader, and that's one thing that I really enjoy about this coaching is is being a leader and a role model to these kids and mm-hmm. trying to set the best the best example for them. What has been the biggest thing that has surprised you? Uh, about coaching that maybe you weren't aware of or you weren't prepared for? What would you say that would be? Parent involvement. You know, there's a lot of parent involvement. Back when I was playing, you know, there wasn't a lot of, I didn't, I want to say no, not a lot of parent involvement, uh, but there was some. But, you know, there's lots of hands-on texting and, and, and being, you know, trying booster clubs, booster clubs and, and, and things like that. And, and uh, parent involvement is one thing that's really surprised me. And I and I I knew it was going to happen. I just I didn't know it was going to be you know so much because you got I mean we've got twenty eight kids on the team, so I mean you know I've got to got to talk to all these parents and get information out. And it's 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 not overwhelming, but it's just like it's kind of daunting. It, it is. You're like man, I got to get this out to all these people, and you know I'm going through my phone list and I'm trying you know I'm remembering trying to make sure I've got all the kids and all the parents and you know you just you can't overlook anything but luckily the pay is quite enough to satisfy any oh yeah any uh any inconveniences that you run through I'm I'm quite sure I know oh, yeah so okay Eli let's talk about um as far as career aspirations we've we've kind of talked about your coaching up to now mm-hmm what ultimately does Eli want to do? Does he want to stay a middle school coach at North Marshall, or do you have aspirations beyond that in the coaching realm? And and if so, what are they? If you continue to see success, I think you know you can always build off of it. You know, there's always challenge yourself, and I've seen some success at the middle school level first which, year, which is why we're here talking yeah, to you. We want right. to talk to successful coaches. Uh, I would like to be on a high school staff at some point. Don't necessarily want to be thrown into the head coaching position first. That would be way too much for me, but being on staff, I think would would be good for me. Just going to scout, learning that process of scouting, breaking down film and, you know, analyzing players and offenses and options, analyzing players again and, and what kids are good at this and what kids are what kids need to work on. So, so you feel like from a coaching standpoint, a good fit for you long term would be a high school coaching job? Yeah, on staff, a high school coaching, not, not necessarily a head coaching job, but I think I could be good at being an assistant or you know a freshman or a JV coach, but not a not a head coaching position. If the right situation came along, would you take it? Where if you if you felt like you've done the things to prepare you through being a middle school coach, being on a high school staff, do you eventually see that road leading to a high school head coaching job? Yes. Yeah. Like I said earlier, build off success. You know, you see success in something, really try to move up and and and, um, and challenge yourself i think if i you know eventually get to a high school staff and, and see success and i would definitely want a head coaching position talking about high school jobs for example we've got a really successful high school program here mm-hmm. coach gillespie heads it up he's been successful everywhere he's been 
do you have interaction with Coach Gillespie? Because let's face it, you are the feeder system yeah. for the Marshall County High School program. What kind of interaction do you have with Coach Gillespie? And does Coach Gillespie lay out things he wants you to prepare his players to do or things he's looking for to, to help him be successful? Yeah, I have interaction with the, with Coach. He actually comes to games. He he texted me a little while ago. He said, you know, shoot shoot me a message when you guys play because he just lives down the road on, on 95. He said, you know, I'd like to come watch you play. I said, okay. So it's kind of hard we're getting into the season now, but I, I'll still text him and, you know, we play Callaway or, you know, we're going to play Benton. And he said, you know, I can make it. I can't make it. And and uh, it's it's always good to have interaction with him and, and – and one thing that I that I know from my experience is playing for him. I know that he wants us. You want he wants you to compete and he wants you to defend. And that's one thing that I really want my kids to do is is to compete and defend every loose ball. Get on the floor, rebound hard. You know, block out, stop penetration. You know, close out. Just little little fundamental stuff that that the game is kind of straight away from. And I think that's one thing that he still got that old. Marshall County tradition of hard-nosed defense and and tough guys trying to build with my kids and I'm really stressing you know competing and defending the offensive part of the game is going to evolve the defensive part of the game will never change do you feel like it's hard to teach talented athletes to want to play defense and to want to dive Shane Cosby is laughing as our interview as as the um, a man who was not a defensive wizard is asking this question. But but do you feel like it is hard to teach quote unquote star offensive players to play defense uh, or to dive for loose balls and so forth? I, I think it is because um, I think they have the mentality of I'm going to score so I don't have to play defense. And I think some coaches can will agree with me on that. You know, as long as I score. I'm gonna stay on the floor. There, you see that. I know you see that a lot with these with these Oak Hill Academy, and I'm not knocking Oak Hill Academy, yeah. but but players of that caliber, these stars that come to Hoop Fest, mm-hmm. you see their their great offensive skills, mm-hmm. but you don't necessarily see them playing a lot of defense. Yeah, and so it, I think you're right when you say that a lot of coaches don't force their stars to yeah. play defense. And what have you done, or how have you been able? to get your players to the star offensive players to play defense hold them accountable that's one thing that we we had to do a couple of weeks ago you know we weren't doing the little things that we kind of strayed away from blocking out and closing the gap on penetration and, and rotating on help side so we told them in practice we put them in teams and you do stuff wrong you're gonna run and that's what they did and, and the next game i said you don't do something you get one time to correct it you don't correct it you're coming out and the bench is, is a good teaching tool. Um, you know, I've heard Cal Perry say the exact same thing. He said, I can, He said, you know, you can come here and be a star. Yeah. But he said, I control who plays. So ultimately, I hold the key. Mm-hmm. The, the, the cards are in yeah. my hand. Yeah, and, and star players obviously want to be on the floor. Yeah. You take them off the floor, then they're, they're unhappy. What, do you, what are you going to do to get back on the floor? This is what you have to do. You're not doing it. You're coming out. So, so Eli, how do you measure success on a on a basketball team, or maybe not so much in wins and losses or championships, mm-hmm. but how do you how do you measure success from a standpoint of at the end of the year, this has been a successful year? What is it that you're looking for to to quantify that? At the middle school level, from my experience, my third year, 
Uh, I would have to say the the quality of practice. Practice it definitely starts off the first of the season. You're getting kids out of football. You know, kids are out of shape. You know, you're trying. You know, you're trying to condition and and get them into the gym. Used used to running and and sweating and and competing and being in drills and you know getting in that routine. But, you know, I, definitely, one thing I've noticed from last year was our quality of practice. You know, it started off terrible. You know, we got to Christmas, it was it was better, but it wasn't perfect. And, you know, we, we get to January in the district tournament, and, you know, now we come in, kids are focused, kids are ready to go. You know, they're doing the little stuff, and they're talking on defense, and they're showing emotion and enthusiastic in drills and, 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 and patting teammates on the butt and, and just really feeding off of positivity and, and competing. And, and that's one thing that I really noticed um, last year now, this year you know it's it's gotten better we you know we've we've had to step up the heat a little bit in practice jump me and jones and he told me that so you know if he wouldn't have told me that i it'd have probably taken me another month to figure it out but with my inexperience it was definitely quality of practice and and i tell kids this too i said take what you learn in practice and carry it over to the games and and always tell them do what you're good at you know one kid's good at driving right, well, drive it right. Set yourself up for the offense to where you're on the left wing and you can drive it with your right hand. You know? I've, I've noticed that uh, on your teams that that you do, and as a as the parent of a left-hander, I notice mm-hmm. he ends up on the left-handed side of the court yeah. quite a bit, which yeah. is, I think, you know, a lot of people say play to your strengths. Yeah. And so, obviously, that, that appears to me what you're doing. Yeah, that's one. It, it's always good to get kids – Buckets. Something's not working. Okay, well, let's run this for him and, and at least get him a shot, you know, or, or at least a, a chance to attack the basket and get to the free throw line just to get them going. You know, kids that age, at this age, they're not playing through the game. They're just playing one play. You know, I turn the ball over while my head goes down and I trot back on defense. And that's one thing that I'm trying to teach them, you know, just forget that play. You know, there's never one play in basketball or any sport that much. You know, there's always more than one. So you're going to have times to correct, get something positive going. Have you one thing that that is always something that that struck me is from an academic standpoint that you know you've got athletes and you have kids that want to play basketball and, and baseball and other sports, mm-hmm. but they they also have to do it in the classroom. Yeah. What what, what are your thoughts about? And, and I know I'm sure the school has. Uh, per, or guidelines as yes. to when a kid can be eligible. But is there anything from an academic standpoint that you do to maybe encourage them, or or what? What's your thoughts on 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 that side of of athletics? I, I believe our academics um, are, are very important. You're only going to play sports for 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 so long. Out of all the the basketball players that have come through Marshall County, how many have made it a career? One, Dan Lange. You know, he made it a career. Um, there's been some guys play overseas, but how many guys have been paid to play basketball in the United States? Dan Lange. Now we're That's, talking about legally paid. Uh, I've played in some horse games for money, but uh, <laughs> but yeah, that's that's one guy out of thousands of players. There's going to kids that are going to play small schools, you know that, and that's that's fine. Get your education paid for, you know, more power to you. But your education is is what's gonna is what's gonna carry you your career. Um, one thing that I that I really sh- I always tell them this it's always something at the end of practice I've told them this the past couple of weeks you know stay on top of your grades speaking from experience I know 
you get that age, you get in college and high school, last week or so, you're just cruising. Finish strong. You know, study hard for your midterms. You got a, a, a low C, you know, pick it up to a B. You know, always strive to do things better. Challenge yourselves. And, and you know, they see that success, and then they build off of it. Have you had any situations in your three years of coaching where you have had an academic issue that you've had to bring a kid in, counsel him, kind of get after him a little bit? Have you have you ran into that? And if so, how'd you handle it? Um, n- no, not necessarily. I know um, a parent came to me and she wasn't happy with a C that a player had, so she said, "You know, if if he doesn't get this C, he doesn't get this C raised." You know, we're, you're going to bench him, okay? That's How'd you, you feel about that? I thought, you know, that's that's a great teaching tool. If the parents are cool with it, then I'm cool with it. You know, I'm always going to stand behind my parents. I'm I'm never going to tell a parent how to parent their child, you know. And, and I'm just like, if, if that's the best thing, you think that's the best thing to snap your kid back to reality, then good for him. You know, he'll he'll set the bench. So if uh, if a Mississippi mother came to you uh-huh. and said, you know, my son has a C, but I feel like he should be a B student, and I, I want you to discipline him uh-huh. by setting him out a ball game or uh-huh. or something like that, you that that's okay by you? Yeah, I would I would be in full support of that. And I think the kids need to understand that you know academics come first and. And understand that I've got a C, but you know my other all my others are A's. You know that's that's okay. No, that's not okay. You know you you need to excel in everything that you do, or at least do your best. Well, Eli, I appreciate the time we've we've had with you tonight. Uh, enjoyed it. I want to thank you for being our first uh, interview to help us uh, work things out, work the kinks out. But we've we've really gathered. I mean, I think this has been an excellent podcast so far. We've learned a lot about your style. Uh, about your leadership principles and things you think about and uh we'll try to get you back have you back again sometime i'm sure there'll be some more things we want to talk about so just want to take the time to thank you yeah thank you guys i've really enjoyed being on here and hopefully i'll be back and we can talk more about coaching or sports or or me or, or dax you know or, the, or the, the, the living legend himself indeed indeed so you know we, that's always something you want to talk about so oh, of course 